And now, our feature presentation, Imitating Art with Don and Chuck. Well, I've, uh, I've started recording. Unique New York. <laughs> yeah, how now, brown cow? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, that just sounds like you're a motorboat and son of a bitch. <laughs> By myself. Well, uh, hey, and welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Chuck. And I'm Don. He's here too. And uh, (laughs) at Imitating Art, we review and dissect movies to try and figure out if they have any life lessons worth uh, learning and imitating, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of them we probably shouldn't imitate, but uh, I don't know if that should be a uh, final judgment at the end, if there's anything we should imitate in this. (laughs) Yeah, there's probably not. There's a lot to learn, not too much to imitate. Anyway, so this this week we're going to be talking about Parasite, which was uh, won the Oscar for Best Picture last year, if I have my dates correct. Um, the Oscars are kind of like whose line is it anyway? The the categories are made up and the points don't matter. Well, in some way, I mean, they help they help the the makers make more money with like their their next projects or whatever. Sure. Well, that that kind of leads us into this movie because it seems the people with the money tend to uh, be the ones who end up winning those awards over and over again. But th- but last year, lo and behold, this uh, movie out of South Korea ended up winning uh, and surprising everyone. Yeah. Whatever happened to movies like Gone with the Wind? You know. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> Uh, they were rightfully taken off HBO for the time being until they could record an intro for it. A culturally sensitive intro in 2020. Like um, even Disney plus, like, I don't know if you've looked through Disney plus at all, but on some of their older like movies and TV shows, they'll have like a little warning. That's like, Oh, this was made in a time where, (laughs) Things were different, and there might be some culturally sensitive things in here. And it's like, that's all you really need. Just, just, just a little warning. Just a note that this is from a bygone era, and we should think of it that way. Right. Right. Like, anyway. If, if Donald Duck's in blackface, we need to know ahead of time. Right. Well, that's a little different, because that's way too racist. <laughs> yeah, well, where do you draw the line? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's a really good question. There, there are lots of arguments to be made. It's above our pay grade, which is zero. Yes, anyway, exactly. What I was going to say before is, I guarantee you, Trump hasn't even watched Gone with the Wind to even say that. <laughs> he just well, vaguely knows what it's about and knows that people like it, and it's old, and it's about white people. <laughs> what about what about this movie that's not about white people? That's true. Although it might as well be. It's it's like yeah, it's, it's so allegory. universal. Yeah. yeah, it's so universal that um, Parasite. If anyone hasn't seen it, it's about this very destitute family who their their son gets the chance to uh, tutor for a very wealthy family. I know we're going to edit this, so if you don't mind, if I stop you. Uh... I realized we're, I was kind of jumping into the movie ahead of time because I was like, my my blinders were on looking toward the movie, but I realized we didn't really uh, have a chat about what we've been doing and all that stuff. Don, what have you been doing? <laughs> uh, well, this past week I've been in Utah and hiking in southern Utah and uh, just got to Salt Lake City, spending a few nights at an, uh, at an Airbnb here and reminiscing about all the places I used to go when I lived here. And by reminiscing, I mean getting food from all of those places. <laughs> Just kind of taking advantage of my time being in the same place, you know, the same room for three days in a row, which is nice. Uh, and I'll be uh, hiking again tomorrow, probably. <laughs> it's kind of just what I do. Um, otherwise, I've I did the hike I did today. I went to an, a nice lake and um, I listened to the new um, Phoebe Bridgers album, which I mentioned earlier to you. Uh, it's called um what is it called punisher uh which is really nice it's like kind of singer songwriter chill kind of uh guitar music and um it's just it was really nice it was it was a, a nice compliment to the good weather and everything so uh, i like to listen to 
things like that when I'm hiking because I, I kind of make this connection uh, in my in my head to the uh, to the place that I am when I listen to that album for the first time. And then, you know, that kind of stays with me, the, 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 the images and the, and the music always are kind of paired up for me. Yeah. I, I know you've said that before, like with the, the gratitude album. Yeah. Yeah. For Cape, from Cape Cod. Yeah, that's true. That one always does. <laughs> and the first time I listened to and got in, the first time I actually got into and listened to a lot of Frank Turner was in Acadia National Park in Maine. And sometimes when I listen, go back and listen to that one album, my, my, my mind still kind of drifts off to those places where I was hiking. <laughs> What about you? What have you been doing? Sounds like you've had a very exciting day and week. Uh, today I woke up, went for a run, and that was about it until the uh, the Newfound Glory live stream today, which lasted like two and a half hours. They played 40 songs, man. Wow. <laughs> Where were they playing? Were they playing in like a yeah. studio space or what? Yeah. So I, I think they rented out like a, a place that does like live live streams maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they set up, they set up like a little stage and like a, a lighting uh, thing with all kinds of different uh, flashing lights and like a sort of like a digital background that was flashing all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it was just like a small little space, uh, just the four of them. Ryan, Ryan Key wasn't there. Oh, okay. I was wondering that. Ended up pretty well. Although playing 40 songs, Jordan was singing so high that by the time <laughs> like they they played their cover of Let It Go very late into it, and he just couldn't handle it. And he, did, he didn't have the crowd there to do half the work for him this time. <laughs> yeah, they, they mentioned that. But you know what doesn't pay very well? <laughs> Parasite. Folding pizza boxes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, especially if you fold, fold 25% of them poorly. That's true. <laughs> I would probably fold all of them poorly. Yeah. But getting back to what we were saying before, um, <laughs> Parasite is a film about a very destitute family who has the job of fold, folding pizza boxes, mm-hmm. who get the chance, uh, the son gets the chance to tutor for a wealthy family, and they use that as an in to kind of con their way into the whole family working for this wealthy family. Yeah, it's basically, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It's like mm-hmm. a, it's like a, an Ocean's Eleven style con job to get people <laughs> to get people into this house. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like that. It's one of those movies where the the first half almost feels like a completely different movie than the second half. It really does. There's quite a jump, but it is. But it's set up so well that it it doesn't matter. Well, not that it doesn't matter. It's just that everything that happens in the second half is like the nightmare version of what happens in the first half. Right. So it's, it's not like it's two separate movies because it makes sense that the second half is what it is. Yeah, of course. But it's just a nice build up to like basically their perfect moment right at the midpoint in the middle of the story. Yep. Oh yeah. And then it it, it really is kind of like that, that, that is the, uh, the axis that everything tips on right there (laughs) at that perfect moment midpoints in in movies are kind of where that linchpin is anyway it's just so perfectly noticeable in parasite because of how different the first and second halves are Mm -hmm. and it's the these guys i mean just to to like nail nail down how just how like poor these people the people are like they're in they're in that basement that shitty basement apartment they're like looking you know they don't have wi-fi they're looking for free wi-fi on the phone and (laughs) folding pizza boxes and then like when the fumigation guy is outside they say the guy uh, the dad says uh mr kim says leave the door or leave the windows open because we'll get free fumigation like they'll kill the cockroaches that are in our house already and he just sits there kind of smiling through the fog of this extermination like (laughs) you know this poison that's coming into his windows and he's like kind of just contented with the fact that he's getting this for free you know Uh uh-huh and he's even like, don't even bother kicking away the, the homeless guy pissing on the side of our house because it's just going to make him want to piss on our house more. Let's just <laughs> right. So let's yeah, just put like, up with the piss and the fumigation. Putting up a sign that says "Don't piss here" will make him want to piss there more. <laughs> there, there's yeah. so many. There's so many levels of like of the poverty. Like there's the homeless guy outside 
of them, you know, those guys are pretty destitute as it is. And then there's this homeless dude outside peeing on the, on the side of their house. So they really, they really do kind of showcase the levels of, of rich versus poor in this movie. But, uh, when the kid gets the, uh, when the son gets that opportunity from his friend Min, um, he's like, he's making that forged document from the, from the university. And I like the, the line that he says, he says, I don't think of this as a forgery. I just printed out my degree a bit early because I'm going to be going to, you know, I'm going to be going to this university next, next year and I'm going to graduate. Like he's confident. So he's just kind of looking at it as this is an advance on his degree, basically. Right. Uh, not really recognizing that things are just completely stacked against him. Like he's already tried to get into this university right. and didn't. Did they ever say that his sister tried to get in the university and didn't, or is she just not going? I don't remember hearing anything about that. Um, no, I'm not sure about her, but this, it, this, this it did kind of ring true for kind of how you have to work with it. I mean, this kind of harkens to the, the thing that so many people say, like, uh, you need experience to get a job, but how do you get experience without getting that job first? You know? And, uh, I, I've, I've had to do this to myself where you, you know, you have to kind of exaggerate your experience so someone will let you do a job, you know, for me as a photographer, I had to be like, I had to say that I had done some wedding, more weddings than I have done before to be allowed to shoot a wedding. And then, you know, then once I'm able to actually build a portfolio, I can say, here's, you know, here's more of the work I've done. I had to kind of fudge some of the things and take more photos from one wedding and make it look like multiples. <laughs> so I kind of <laughs> understand the, like, you have to embellish your, your experience. Yeah. Or, I mean, one of the arguments always is like, well, there's the unpaid internships that give you experience, but those are only feasible if you already have money. Right, exactly. And I mean, that, like, that's, that, that makes sense in this in the context of this movie as well. Yeah, um, the opportunities are mostly out there for the people who have situations that are creating more opportunities for themselves. And it's sort of taking away the opportunities for the people who just don't have nearly as much. Right. And I mean, that's kind of, that's, that's shown a few different ways in this film too. But I, I mean, well, once the one kid gets in there, then there's, you know, they, they start conning to get the other people in there. You know, they, they, they force the other people out or the, the girl takes her panties off to get the driver fired. So the dad can come work as a driver and, uh, like it's just it's just interesting to see how much nepotism plays a role there. Where like the 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 rich woman, the the mother of the Park family says, you know, do you, oh you actually know such a person that's this good? Um, we we'll hire them just because we know we trust you and we will hire them based on your recommendation. Like that's kind of how the whole thing. That's how all the dominoes are lined up and fall. Yeah. Um, two things, real quick. First thing. Uh, when she took off her panties, I was like, what the fuck is she doing? <laughs> like, because they, because they didn't tell us like there was a plan in place. We just yeah. had to watch it happen and then, you know, catch up as we, as we learn what's going on. But I was right. like, is she, is she trying to come on to him? What's, what's going on? And, and then with like the next scene, when it was kind of showing the, the success of, of the plan, I was like, right. uh, uh, but my second thing is it's like very early on shown how sort of shitty the, the rich people think of the people that they see below them because as their um, as the, the Kim family is getting each successive like uh, worker fired from uh, the Park family. It's not like the Park family is going to their workers and talking to them about any of these problems. Right. They're just getting wind of a problem or a possible problem and then immediately terminating these people. There's not much exposition in the way of like, you know, they just they just execute the plan and then the parks fire the people. You know, it's like it, it's it's a, it's almost a little too easy in certain ways <laughs> like the, the, the And Mr. Kim, when he's getting drunk later in the movie, says, these people are really, you know, this mother is really gullible, right? Like she's super naive and like, she'll kind of believe anything we say. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see how quickly they build that relationship with the family, you know, just by being loyal subjects or employees or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And um, 
Min, when he was describing the the mom to Kaiwu in the beginning, did describe her as simple. Yeah, and I mean that's I mean the whole nepotism thing when they you, you know like that really kind of is kind of a evolutionary thing in a way where they like they're kind of just showing that being part of a community and having good relationships is really the only way to build your life and like get you know get ahead in a community you know you can work hard like the the girl the the the, um the the kim girl who is a an artist who is a good artist pretending to be a teacher uh, or an art therapist and then you could also be born into a rich family where the son is told he's a great artist even though he's not you know so like he's kind of boosted he's being taught by someone who's much better than him who is not as appreciated as him even though she is actually good at good at what she does right but she doesn't she doesn't even do that job she finds another way to get a a higher paying job and fakes that instead (laughs) yeah and you know what i always i find interesting about all these people is that they're actually all they're actually quite good at what they do like he Mr. Kim's a great driver. The son mm-hmm. is, a, is a good tutor. She's a good, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how she is as, as an artist, but she's like, she seems like she does well with, with the children. And the mother is a good a maid for the most part. You know, she doesn't know what that ramen dish is until she looks yeah. it up. <laughs> but but otherwise, like she, they, they all seem to do their job perfectly. Somehow they get into this and like they, they practice and they learn it, because, you know, they know their life and their, their well-being depends on it. Yeah. I mean, uh, Kai Jung, I think her name is, is a good enough artist to fake the document that gets her brother hired by the Park family in the first place. Right. I forgot that was her that did that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was going to, based on what you were saying about the panties thing, uh, the first time I watched this movie, I was, I was, I was confused quite often. <laughs> there were a lot of scenes where I was like, what is going on? I really, and it didn't help that the first time I watched it, uh, or the first time I started watching it, uh, I had a bad subtitle track. It was like a really like kind of like almost like cut and paste, like a YouTube Aunt Jemima, whatever that was that you said <laughs> on YouTube. Uh, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I can't remember what it was that you said, but it's like it's like bad lip reading basically. Um, mm-hmm. And as I was, I was like, I twenty minutes in, I was like, this is really poorly translated. I can't <laughs> watch. I can't watch an Oscar. You know, I can't watch watch the Oscar winner movie with his bad subtitles on it. Um, so I had to, then when I went back, it was much easier to understand when the subtitles were correct. Um, the first time I watched it, I was also, it was also nighttime. I was in my bunk on the ship and, and I was like, probably not completely awake. So, um, I think I was kind of seeing things and being like, what is going on? Did I miss something? (laughs) Um, in any case, the second time I watched it, it was much easier to follow. So I'm sure that was partly just me. Maybe uh, the only so the main reason I was confused about the panties thing was because as it was happening, I thought I was supposed to already know why she was doing it. Right. Like I thought I was supposed to understand. Yeah. And then it was explained later, whereas when they get to the guy in the basement in the second half of the movie, I was like, well, clearly this hasn't been explained, but they're probably going to explain it to me. So. I didn't feel confused. I was just waiting for the information and letting it play out. Yeah, it's um, the and going back to that girl, to the uh, the the uh, the Kim girl who was teaching art. It, it's interesting how she how she uh, like kind of controls not not really controls, but she has like a sway over over the child. It seems to be kind of crazy, and at other times when she's working with him, he always seems to be well behaved. And, and I wonder if he's if he's like really kind of thinking that he's a good artist and. When now that he's in the presence of someone who is uh, a teacher, an art teacher, now that now he's act, like this is the one thing that actually like focuses him. So maybe he does have some potential, but he's, the, the the stuff he's done already <laughs> is touted as good before uh, he really has made any progress. Maybe my guess would be she probably is kind of strict and disciplines him, whereas his mom doesn't. So. Right. Yeah, that's true. She 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 does kind of show that in the beginning where she like she asked the housekeeper to leave and then she kind of shows her um shows her alpha right away. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's interesting to see how they like it's almost like everybody everybody there they, they talk about it in the in the artist thing but everybody's kind of faking it as well kind of like like I said like I said before about having to pretend you have more experience than you do. Even the artists are like, 
they're jealous of other people who are better artists than them, but those people are faking it too. You know, like maybe the, I don't, I don't know if that's actually the, the case with the Park family, but the, the Kims are jealous of the Park family for having so much money and all this stuff, but they're all, you know, the uh, Mr. Park says he's not really in love or he kind of lets on that he's not really in love with his wife. He says something like, well, oh, we'll call it love. Sure. Um, yeah. But they, you know, he, they're all kind of faking it in one way or another. So it's, I thought, I thought that was interesting when I heard him say that, that uh, he's not really in love, <laughs> but they're all kind of just struggling to make things work, whether they're poor or rich or whatever. Um, but they're looking at other people with, you know, admiration or uh, jealousy or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't think I could have put that any better myself. Um, <laughs> so one of the, I, I guess it's not that interesting, <laughs> but <laughs> so like Mr. Park, do we even know what his company is? I don't do think they, they really ever, say? I don't think they, I don't think they get into it at all, or at least not to the point where I remember anything about it. So we just know that he like runs a successful company. Right. So it's like this interesting dichotomy with Mr. Kim who has started several failed companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and likely um, Mr. Park probably had lots of help getting his company started and, and successful. <laughs> right. Um, he, for one, he, 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 he probably, built it on his own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like he, he probably went to a good school. Right. A probably came from a good family. Probably went to a good school. Probably made good contacts at that school. Probably got a good internship. And you know, yeah. he, he probably thinks he started at the bottom, but there's there's no way he didn't have a leg up. Right. I mean, even though yeah, I mean there are a lot of assumptions there, but you're you know, I mean, I think it is kind of it, it does kind of lead you down that that uh that path to us to assuming that about him and it's interesting to look at the other side of the kim family that are like when you look at it when you back up and look at it look they look like sociopathic the way they get this kind of you know they they con this family and they seem like they're ready to do it but they're they have the skills to fit in and do the things they need to do and but you know like what is what's the saying it's like uh luck is where preparation meets responsibility meets opportunity. Is that right? Um, Something like that. So it's like, yeah, I mean, they were prepared. And then when this happened, like when they struck, when the iron was hot and they took the chance and like they were cutthroat about it, they, they, they got rid of those other people who were working for the family who were probably in the same station as they were, you know, Mm -hmm. in in some one, one way or another. So it's kind of like, then it's kind of like you have to be cutthroat to when you're in the position of poverty to just, you have to do whatever you have to do to put food on the table and, you know, get ahead. And speaking of them being cutthroat, uh, one of the things uh, that I find interesting is that we as an audience are put a little bit in uh, the the shoes of the Park family in that. So the Park family just kind of, you know, fires these people at will, as I said earlier, like without even talking to them or asking about them because they don't really see them as people. But we as an audience aren't really that sad when they lose their jobs because the filmmakers haven't given us anything about these people's lives. Right. So they really just come off as, you know, the, the maid or the, the housekeeper or the, yeah. the driver and not really people, which is what comes back to haunt. And, and, you know, um, the Kims don't really see them as that either. They just see them mm-hmm. as things standing in their way, right? which, but not seeing them as people, no one seeing them as people is really what comes back to haunt everyone in, in the second half of the movie when the housekeeper does have this backstory where she has a husband who is in terrible debt, who right. has also tried to start several uh, companies unsuccessfully, like like Mr. Kim, who is being hidden in in the sub basement of of the Parks House and just like a parasite, just coming up and you know getting food <laughs> whenever whenever he can. 
it's interesting you put it that way. I didn't really think about that specifically. That's interesting. Um, and it's interesting specifically because I think each of the people that got fired, let's say like the driver, he made, you know, he, he wasn't pushy. He wasn't too pushy. He wasn't overt about it, but he did make the, like, I'm going to take you home. Hey, just let me take you home. Uh, I'm not going to drop you off at the subway station. I'm going to take you to your house. Um, so she wasn't completely lying when she said that the guy was trying to like take her back to her house and reveal where she lived or whatever, um, whatever Mrs. Park ended up saying, you know, exclaiming like, oh, he was going to take you. He was going to reveal where you lived if he took you home at that late at night. And then uh, right. the the maid, like the maid kind of had like this moment of like she was being kind of nibby when she was stay- when she was sticking around and the uh, the daughter was asking her to leave the art therapist you know teacher was asking her to leave and she kind of gave this kind of dirty look so i feel like they each they each had a little bit of a, like a twinge of okay we don't really care if this person leaves or gets fired now because <laughs> we're yeah. they're setting it setting you up to not like them in that way yeah they they do kind of only give us their negative or or most memorably give us their uh, like a negative aspect to their right. characters. So I will say this, no matter how nibby that housekeeper is, giving someone something that they're allergic to is always <laughs> shitty. Oh, I'm not saying that's it, not shitty. That's <laughs> it's it's my least favorite part about the end of Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. When when he puts the pepper yeah. in the um jambalaya. Feeding, feeding people or just putting people around something that they will have an allergic reaction to. It's like she might have been nibby and that guy might have been coming on a little too strong to Kai Jong, but she obviously got home fine. Like, not that right. what he was doing was okay, but he did give up. He didn't push it too far. Right, of course. Uh, but like, nothing any of those family or, or any of those house workers did was at all as bad as giving someone something that they're allergic to. Yeah, for, <laughs> for sure. Well, that, that was definitely foreshadowing of the, the how psychopathic or sociopathic or whatever you want to call them, that these people actually are about, you know, and how desperate they maybe they are to actually get this job and get in how long they might've been waiting to do this, you know? So they really had no, they were not seeing these people as people, like you said. Right. I mean, we're on their side, technically, because we're yep. seeing the story through their eyes. Right. I mean, you could easily make another version of the story from, like, the driver's eyes, and, and they would be the evildoers. Right. Even though the, the, the biggest problems in the story really come from the, the differences between, you know, really rich people and really poor people. Mm-hmm. And kind of what that drives the the poor people to do just to get a taste of it. Well, the, and then like what the, as they get the they, as they get comfortable in the house and the family goes on that camping trip and they are alone in the house, they get really comfortable there, you know, they're getting drunk and mm-hmm. hanging out in the living room and the girls getting a bath with her, you know, watching TV with her feet up and the 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 son even says like she looked a little she looked like comfortable like she lived here for years and uh, mm-hmm. like they they really kind of let themselves uh be comfortable there it's kind of like when you go to a fancy hotel or if you're house sitting for someone with a big house and then suddenly you know you get this feeling of like i can do anything i want like i'm living above my above my station <laughs> and, and yeah you kind, of, you kind of want to let it all hang out there yeah you start drinking their liquor and smashing the <laughs> bottles everywhere yeah that was a weird scene when he was like faking that anger toward his wife or do you think that was really fake or was it like a, was he playing it off as fake afterward <sighs> I think he was more playing it off as fake because, again, the the movie's called Parasite. It's kind of about people feeding off of other people as parasites, right? And and the thing that set him off was her calling him a cockroach, right? Yeah, he's a yeah, and, that's true. And then later, the thing that really sets him off is Mister Park complaining about Mister Kim's smell, right? So, so I don't think. I don't think it was completely fake. I think being compared to a cock- cockroach really bothered him. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and but but I was just wondering if that was like premeditated or if it was like uh, he did it and then he realized in the moment like I can't do this. This is you know this isn't what I who I am or whatever. And then he let her go and was like ah gotcha. Just kidding. Ha ha. Oh yeah, I, I think it was done in the moment and then 
he was able to stop himself right. this time. This time, yeah. Was not able to stop himself at the end of the movie. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I was very curious about that thing. Oh, and I and the smell thing you mentioned. I don't actually know if this was, if that was meant to be like a plot device of kind of like we're like sniffing out like they're 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 almost on to them in a way like they're they're starting to sniff they're starting to notice something that something smells rotten you know oh uh i'm i'm very certain it is because um that it that it is supposed to show that they're kind of on to them just to build tension because like this movie does a really good job of of in that second half building tension and just making things get worse and worse and worse yeah. So I, I, I guarantee you uh, we're supposed to be a little worried that he gotcha. he might figure out that Mr. Mr. Kim is there. And I also noticed um, the, the second time I, that when, when I watched it just recently, the, the music is very sparse in the beginning and then it starts to build mm-hmm. toward the end. Like I, I really liked the, 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 the way they, they played with the music in this movie. Yeah, uh, I've only watched it just the once, but in that first half, I was like, "Man, there's like almost no music in this movie." Yeah, and then I was really noticing that the second time. Yeah, and then right around that midpoint, I was like, "Oh, there's like a big piece of music right here," and then yeah. it just kept building from there. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. They they did a really good job. I understand why why it won the uh, the best picture. Oh, she, the mother says at one point, um, Mrs. Kim says. Uh, they like she's like money if i if i had money i would be nice too and she she says money is an iron like it smooths everything out which is not <laughs> untrue in a lot of situations like it you know it does it's it's not a it's not a, a a a fix for everything but when you don't have money that's all you can think about you know like that's everything is about getting money so like everything they're doing is to make sure they will have money where the other people get yeah. to kind of yeah. kick back and camp in a teepee and stuff like that Mm-hmm. Well, all of all of the problems that the Kim family has, like right at this current moment, could be solved with more money. Right. And to a point, it will fix your problems. Yeah. Um, it won't fix all your problems, but it'll damn sure fix a lot of them. Yeah. And then but then like that, then when the, the tipping point comes, when you when you have too much to take things for granted, it's that, you know, and so on and so forth. Um, you know, that, that, that song has been sung many times, but that's kind of, it is kind of shown in this, the, the extremes are shown in this movie. Like when you have enough that, that you don't even notice how much is being taken right. from, you know, someone living in your sub basement. Yeah. That and, you don't yeah, even yeah. know you have. Yeah, exactly. That, that, that was, that was odd too. Like they, that it was hidden back there and they didn't even, <laughs> they seemed to not even really know about it. Well, it was meant to be a secret. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then, well, yeah. Once once we get to the point where they're they meet, we meet the people, the guy in the basement, and the old housekeeper starts like they 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 the uh, the old housekeeper and her husband are sitting there drinking the liquor, holding them hostage with the send button on the phone to send the video of them, you know, hiding out in their house, and. Like they're, they're, they're reveling in the fact that they can make them do whatever they want because they have this like nuclear missile <laughs> pointed at them basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's just like this, the power, you know, the fact that they so quickly succumb to that power and like it's, it goes to their head so quickly. I think that that's another theme of the movie where like you get, you get this power and you get comfortable real quickly with it. Well, yeah. And not only that, but the Kim family is now standing in the, the housekeeper and her husband's way of, being able to continue, you know, living the way that they have. So it's, it's completely flipped yep. for them. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting uh, power dynamic switch there for a little while. And then they had to, they had to <laughs> crazy, like, I don't know. It, it, I feel like if you screenshot any of those moments when they were fighting for the phone, it could have been like a broke painting, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Um, it was pretty crazy to see them all like all every hand on the phone at one point and like people getting hit with whatever they were getting hit with pots or bottles or whatever, whatever was laying around. Yeah. And then the second half ends up taking a tragic turn. And I, I was wondering where, where it was all going. Cause I know it couldn't end well. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's crazy to me that um, Kai Wu could take that stone to the head twice and end up coming out of a coma. Yeah, that was surprising too. 
I mean, but bef- yeah. before that, before that even happens, um, they're, they're, they go back to the, they go back to the, their house that's flooded and like, Oh yeah. They're, they're like, they're, you know, metaphorically and literally trying to keep their heads <laughs> above water in their own shit. Right. <laughs> and it's like stuff is shooting out of the toilet and they're trying to save little things and he tried, he saves the rock or whatever. And it's just, it's just a really strange, uh, kind of on the nose <laughs> kind of a metaphor there, but it's yeah. just, it's interesting to see how, how that, that scene plays out while, you know, every, the, the Kim or the park family's big camping trip got rained out because the river was flooding. And then these guys go back to their house and their, their entire livelihood is flooded. Yeah. And, and the, the park son doesn't need like has a tent that's waterproof <laughs> right oh yeah like, because he got they got it in the u.s i remember they mentioned that yeah it'll be, it'll he, be he got it from u.s yeah he sleeps outside in that pouring rain and nothing happens right. to him or his tent yeah like they were they were content and saying how what it would be like to live in that big house and then they go home they go home their house is flooded and this uh kind of spoiled child is choosing to sleep out in the rain because he has yet another uh place where he can be dry and, and safe yeah. And then that the whole flooding debacle leads Mr. Kim to say, you know what the best plan is? No plan. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, he says like nothing he's like nothing matters. He actually says like none of it matters <laughs> right now, no matter what you plan. Yeah. He was like, if you have a plan, everything can go wrong. Yeah. Which is exactly what has just happened to them. They had this big plan and everything is about to crumble out from under them. Yeah. That that's like that's the next tipping point right there. <laughs> And then, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I liked that. What he, I, I hadn't remembered that he said that the first time I watched it, but like that really um, struck a, an interesting chord with me where he said, like, it doesn't matter what you do. If you plan things, it's going to go wrong. It's, you know, men plan, God laughs kind of. And then all the craziness ensues. He had another, you know, take a screenshot and <laughs> paint that scene because it's, it's really incredible to watch that, the birthday party scene where everybody goes wild. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting that, you know, obviously the, the caged man goes crazy. He's been down there for four years. Of course, he's going to go a little, a little crazy and he's been. Well, sure. That was after his wife. His wife actually died, though, right? Yeah. So he yeah. he's already probably a little on the off. And then uh, the um, the Kim family gives him this further push into he has nothing now and he just goes for it and he goes on this rampage at at the party. And it's just funny that Mr. Kim, well, Mr. Kim's daughter, a gets stabbed and Mm -hmm. and is dying in in front of him, but he still has the opportunity to, to make it out without getting found out until he throws the keys to Mr. Park and they fall under um, the, house house uh, keeper's husband and right. and when mr park goes to lift up uh the housekeeper's husband in another great example of him not being able to see people uh under his station as actual people all, 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 <laughs> right. all, just an obstacle in his way <laughs> all he can do is wince at at the man's smell as he's grabbing for these keys Right. And that and that sets off and that's what drives Mister Kim to go, you know, take all his anger and frustration out. Yeah, and the last thing that that guy says before he like well, as he's as he's getting stabbed with the poker or whatever it is the the skewer, he just says respect when he says, "Do I even know you?" Like the the, the Mister Park says, "Do I know I know you or you know me or whatever?" Yeah, and he just says respect, and then he dies basically. Yeah. And that's an interesting, I thought that was an interesting death. And uh, again, another like kind of uh, obvious point out of like, all I'm looking for is respect and you're not giving me, you're not, you're not seeing me as a person. Yep. And then, you know, Mr. Kim suck probably dying in that hole. <laughs> yeah. There's... I think it's interesting though that he replaces the, the housekeeper's husband. Like it's almost, and I, 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 when I, when I was actually examining this, I saw a lot of somewhat obvious metaphors where it's like, or at least to me, it seemed like Mr. Kim is replacing this guy. It's almost like this poverty, the poverty cycle, you know, it's a prison, you know, the basement is the prison 
and they're he's he's struggling and he's back in the same situation of sneaking out as a parasite pulling food out of the fridge when he can Mm -hmm. everything is cyclical and it repeats because nothing has changed outside of this one small family group yep and i mean kaibu can believe all he wants that he's gonna get a good education and good job and be able to buy the house but it's very unlikely to happen (laughs) yeah well it's interesting to see also that he's his his dad and since you mentioned that um that mr kim is like not you know nihilistic none of it matters it doesn't matter what kind of plans you have and then the son is still like i'm gonna get a job and i'm gonna buy this house and i'm gonna make a lot of money and he's still optimistic like he's still young and bright-eyed and looking forward to what could be you know he hasn't learned that lesson yet that every that the system is stacked against him because he was more or less he was born into the wrong family yeah well to be fair his brain surgery has had quite an effect on him after after being in the in the coma now he can only laugh at traumatic things so i I wonder if that plays any sort of effect into it maybe i didn't really think about that me neither until just now i was I was just looking at it as like a gen- the generational, you know, everybody is, uh, he's, he, the, the, the younger generation is still has stuff to try to look forward to while the older generation has just been realized what's actually happening and how everything is kind of stacked against them. And, you know, the dad's just, well, no matter what happens, I'm stuck in this prison of my own design and I'm in a literal prison in the basement. Yeah. And you know, it's another problem that could be easily solved with more money. <laughs> that that they're never going to have yeah um so do you want to maybe take a quick break for our sponsors that we don't have and then come back let's take and then come back and talk about some lessons maybe yep we'll be right back with more imitating art do 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 All right. Well, we're back here. And uh, Don, I I know you had an idea for what you think the biggest lesson to learn in this movie was, uh, but I forget what it is. I don't don't even actually know if I still feel the same way. (laughs) After talking (laughs) about about it? it. Yeah. Like the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, it it, it is a little bit muddy, like I said, but I I don't know. I don't know. It's like, it it feels, it feels a lot more like a, an anti-capitalist thing, obviously, because it's just the rich versus the poor. You know, I don't, I don't know. Do you, do you have, have you come up with any new, new thoughts since last time we checked? No. Uh, well, uh, what, what was your initial thought for the lesson? I don't even, I, I, I think <laughs> as I, since I watched it again since then, I don't, I think it was mostly that like everyone is making somebody else out to be the bad guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah, nobody yeah, wants yeah. to take responsibility for themselves. And, that's not even, I mean, it, I still kind of feel that way in a way. Like everybody's comparing themselves to somebody else, yeah. like I said. It's in there for sure. I don't know if it's the main takeaway, but it's there. No, and, and I, I mean, and I, 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 I do have a heart. It is a really interesting movie, and I think it, it's, it's nebulous by design. And almost like it's, it's, it's hard to pull one, at least for me, it's hard to pull like one specific lesson out of this. Yeah, well, that's because it's a good movie. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, uh, I the one I said was uh, just because someone has less doesn't mean that they are less. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, that's just another variation on the anti-capitalist themes running throughout the movie. But just like if 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 the parks could see the people below them as people none of this would happen right like it's not like they have any big problems in their life to begin with but the only big problems that come throughout the course of this movie are purely based on them not really caring about the lives of of the people below them and only really caring about their own lives like mr park doesn't even really love his wife he doesn't like she's technically on the same station as him and he doesn't really care. It's almost like, yeah, I mean, we, a lot of the stuff I think 
the, the subtleties we, we talked about in the, in our discussion, but like they, they, a lot of people are taking things for granted that they have. Um, while the, the, the people who are slightly worse off, the, the Kim family, you know, they are, the, the, as the dad sits there smiling while the, uh, the free fumigation happens to his house, you know, like he is content in the small, in the, the little moments like that. And then when he gets a bigger piece of the, you know, once he gets a bigger chunk of something, he wants more. It's almost like, you know, the, it, it shows the greed and greed doesn't pay, but you know, you can be content whether or not you're poor and money doesn't solve all problems. But again, solves a lot of the small ones. I mean, that is true. Like, I would wager that if selling folded pizza boxes is enough to get you like Wi-Fi for a month, then how whatever Kaiwu was going to make as a tutor just in that without including any of the other family in other jobs, there's like just that job for him probably would have been a boon to the to his family. Sure. And he could have. Yeah, I guess that kind of goes I was going to say, and he could have turned that around to other tutoring jobs. Yes, you could have built, like, like I said, like you, you know, you fake your experience at first, but then when you have, then once you actually get that first gig, you can put your real experience down on your resume and get more and more jobs from there. So that's true. They, it's almost like they, it's it, the the greed in there. They they got a little bit in in for a penny, in for a pound. I don't know if that actually works. But, you know, they were in for. They were in for a little bit, and then they saw, oh, we, oh, but what if we could? What if we got even more? And they got greedy, and then they they, they took it too far. That's true. Uh, I, I'm not sure how to phrase that right now, but yeah, don't don't get greedy. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get greedy is kind of kind of it. Like you know, be don't take don't take what you have for granted, and you know, don't you know, appreciate what you do have. Don't take what you have for granted, uh, no matter how you look at it. Uh, like you said that. Even just the two of them working there, the two, the tutor and the art the therapist, like between the two of them, they probably could have carried the family, you know, for a while. Yeah, yeah. Because they he even said he paid. He, he she even, uh, Mrs. Spark said we. I even upped the salary of Min's original original salary for inflation. Yeah, she mentions inflation in the beginning. Yeah. And I'm sure he was making a decent amount just because they saw Min as another rich person as well, since, you know, like he's going to university. So I guarantee that the Park family saw him as someone with money. He has more than the Park family for sure. It came off that way anyway. Um, What do you think, what do you think the stone represents? You know, both times I watched it, I was trying to figure out what what they were going for with that. And, I still honestly have no idea. <laughs> so I sort of accidentally looked it up. I, w- I was just looking at the IMDb trivia and okay, and it got mentioned in there. And I was like, oh, damn it. I wish I hadn't read that. I wish I'd been able to. I mean, I would like to know because I, re- I really don't have an idea. Yeah, I, I was like, I, I, but in that moment, I was like, I wish I'd had more time to think on it myself before I happened to read this. But uh, they were putting it forward that, uh, the stone really represents like all of the like the unrealistic hopes and dreams that are holding uh, uh, Kaiwu back. Okay. So I, I think it's even supposed to be symbolic at the end that he's he's putting the stone away. Because now he in the stream, yeah. Because now he thinks he has an actual plan, and he doesn't just have to hope for it anymore. But, hmm. but it is interesting that he he says after the flood that the stone keeps finding him, but it does seem to find him in mostly the worst moments, like right. like in, yeah, like I, in I the flood. I don't, I don't think I would have ever picked up on that oh (laughs) i i I probably wouldn't have either and then of course in that third act all of his hopes and dreams come crashing down right on his head well (laughs) there you go (laughs) well when you when when you put it that way yeah um Um, it's all it 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 smacks a bit of uh english teachers telling you what the symbolism in a book is even if the author doesn't believe it kind of thing (laughs) sure i've i've always had a problem with that in interpreting 
things, even though that's entirely what this podcast is supposed to be. Sure. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but you know, but you don't you know what I mean? Like it's like not you can. I, I mean, I, I do appreciate that art is you know is subjective and it's meant to elicit different feelings and philosophies from different people. There is you know there's a reason that people who make uh, nebulous artworks don't discuss all the time what all what everything means because they don't want it to mean one thing and then alienate the people who were enjoying it for another reason it's meant to be interpreted so that's i mean that's what we're doing again that's what we're doing right now right uh although i will say this the the reason i hated it in english class is because it always felt like that meant that anything could mean anything uh sure but (laughs) but there are a lot of things like with this stone if it is meant to represent his that, you know, the hopes and dreams that are holding him down, which could be or could be not true. But th- there is a context there for that to be true. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't just be a random thing like, oh, you're just putting this onto this because you no, because you want it to be too... true. But there right. there is at least a, no, no. a context there for it so that it wouldn't be completely random for it to, to mean that. No, I can definitely believe it, but I don't know. I don't know if I would have pulled it out, but I definitely, I definitely did. I, 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 the stone was put there intention, like there was intent behind it, and I could, I knew that there was, it, I knew there was a meaning there, but I just, I didn't get a meaning from it. Yeah. So I do, I, I don't, I don't think this is one of those situations where we're, you know, somebody's pulling it out of their ass. No, no, it means something. No, as soon as the the stone was introduced, I was like, I don't know what this means. <laughs> but I do know that it means something yeah. like just the way it's well, filmed I, I, again, like you said, it's, you know, that's, that's why it's a good movie because you know, not everything's going to have, not, not everything's going to be completely spelled out for you. <laughs> Some things are going to be kind of like, uh, what did that mean? Yeah. And I will say this, at least the ending to this movie made a lot more sense than say enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. I know the movie. It's been too long. That's that's the one where, like, I was okay with the movie. Like, I remember that that that's the the the, the carbon copy of himself or whatever, like the, his doppelganger or whatever. Yeah, and then it ends with him turning into a giant spider, and that's the last shot of the movie. <laughs> well, clearly, it didn't make an impression <laughs> because I don't remember that. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I was here to to watch the movie, and then as things were going on, I was okay with looking into the movie for things. But it's just You're like I was with you right up to the end there. <laughs> well, it's just it's not that I think that the, him turning into a spider doesn't mean anything. It's just that it's like now you're almost begging me to to look into it and yeah. and and to interpret it. And I don't know. It just I don't think it actually came completely out of nowhere in there. I think they worked somewhat building up to it, but. I don't know. I, I would still watch it again, but I would rather watch Denis Villeneuve's other movies first. I'd rather watch uh, Nightcrawler again. Oh yeah, that that uh, and we have, <laughs> which is on our list. Yeah, it is on our list, and we absolutely should do it for this. So, uh, yes. just to recap, uh, good movie, and main lessons seem to be: don't get greedy, and see other people as people don't don't put them below you we all do it even the people like you and i who don't actually have money i guarantee you there are times throughout our day where we see someone and subconsciously think of them as being below us and it makes us feel better about ourselves and that is just shitty of us (laughs) yeah sometimes i catch myself like later in the day or like the next day and i'm like oh i i should have respected that person a little more like that wasn't cool of me yeah yeah and that's uh and and i guess in this in this case this is a lesson that is good to be learned from this movie (laughs) yes so again well what you were saying earlier is we don't need to imitate things so i would not imitate any of the characters in this movie (laughs) no but i will take lessons from what they did that they shouldn't have done yes Learn from their mistakes, yes. <laughs> it is interesting that in in that midpoint where the the Kims 
are just in the, the parks house without the parks. They do all these crazy, stupid, fun things. But really, like, it seemed like the, the most enjoyable thing for them was just to sit down as a family in that living room, not even watching TV, just looking out the, the window at the lawn, which is a, a beautiful lawn. Yeah. I mean, that's like they're looking at they're looking through the glass at, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. almost. Yeah. And they just they're still hoping at that point that Kaiwu will marry the park's daughter and that they'll like that'll be their house. And like they're not even happy with working in this beautiful like they're making a good amount of money making more money than they probably ever have working in this beautiful house for, I mean, everyone works for assholes at some point, but sure. But like they get to work in this beautiful house with people who aren't the best, but they're kind of cool people. And it's still, still not enough. They, they, yeah. And I mean, they're making enough to essentially, build a life of their own, but they don't want their own life. They want someone else's life. Yeah. And sorry, I interrupted you. What yeah. were you going to say? No, no, I, I was going to say just this, but despite their, their fighting in that moment, like they're arguing in that moment, they're still, they're still like the close, they still seem like the closest family. Like they're, they're much closer than the park family. Like the park family is dissected almost like the, the father doesn't love the mother. And, the kids are separated off with like their tutors and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not spending a lot of time as a family until that camping trip that gets ruined. Right. <laughs> and then, um, uh, but then like even more than that, then the, the, the housekeeper and her husband are even, even though they're separated, they are more in love than anybody else. It seems. Oh, for sure. I also just wanted to bring up that in that sequence of the Kim's, you know, occupying the park's house, it's in that moment when they start being like, convincing themselves that what they did to the, the former house workers was okay because yeah, because those people were good enough at their jobs that they'll get other jobs. Yeah. And yeah, it's almost like they're starting to embody the park mentality. Well, almost it, it is interesting that they're convincing themselves that what they did is okay, but they're taking even in that little nothing of empathy that they're having they're taking more thought about those houseworkers empathy or those houseworkers humanity than the parks ever did that's true yeah yeah because mr kim even says like he 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 probably found another job right like i'm sure he's a good driver right like he was almost like concerned and he asked his son and he said yeah he is you know he's he was a good driver he was a good employee I'm sure he's working, probably even got a better job. Yeah. So, oh, so here's something we should mention. So they're convincing themselves that the way that they're dicking over people is okay so that they don't feel bad about it. But that's exactly what the parks are doing too. And the parks of the world. Yeah. They just say, yeah, we'll we'll give them, we'll give them some reason and we'll get rid of them and they'll, they'll land on their feet. Yeah. Um, The personalities aren't really that different between the Kims and the parks. It's just one they both. It seems like the old, the, the housekeeper and her husband are really like the only sympathetic characters in the movie. Yeah, I, I'm not to sure. To an extent, yeah, I'm not sure how much sympathy I have for them because it's it's gambling debts that he's hiding from. So it's like he he got himself right. into this mess. But sure. But again, with with it didn't seem like in, intentional animus though. No, <laughs> you know? but but yeah, with with more money and more success, which they're not going to have again, their problems would go away with more money. Yeah. This is just reminding me of that episode of mad men where Don finds out that lane took, took the money and like forged his signature to take the money. Do you remember that episode? No. Well, spoiler alerts for mad men. If you haven't watched it or if you're in the middle of it, you know, skip ahead, but it's the episode where lane kills himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know that that did come to mind, but I didn't know it was the same episode. Yeah, uh, Alex and I talk about this episode a lot. Um, but Lane had previously in the season forged, you know, he needed some money, forged Don's signature, 
uh, to get some money, which he thought of as a 12 day loan. And then Don, Don finds out about it. And he's like, you know, why didn't you just ask for the money? And to Lane, that would have been an embarrassment. But, but what he doesn't realize is a Don's pretty good at keeping secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And B that amount of money meant nothing to Don. He, he wouldn't have cared. Just take it, pay him back when, when you can. Yeah. But by getting greedy with it, Lane forced Don to have to fire him. Because, right, and then that's how it all ended up. Yeah, because now he can't trust the person in charge of his money to take care of the money. Yeah, that's and uh, you know I was just thinking the other day about rewatching Mad Men. It's not on Netflix anymore. Well, as it turns out, there are other ways to get <laughs> episodes of things. No, I, I understand, <laughs> but that's a show like that's that's one of Alex's favorite shows, and she she watches mm-hmm. it all the time. And so I know for sure it's it's not on Netflix anymore because she can't watch it anymore. I mean, I do love the convenience of Netflix, but that's never stopped me from watching whatever I was going to watch. No, I, I understand. <laughs> um, but I have been watching Big Mouth, which is fantastic, and you should watch nice. it. Nice. A couple of years ago, I did watch the first couple episodes, but then stopped and mm. uh, just never got back into it. I also want to watch the uh, last two seasons of F is for Family because I watched the first two. And I thought season two was great. And I just, I didn't even know there was a season three and now season four just came out. Okay. That's, that's so you would recommend that. Yeah. I would like season one's not that great, but I watched the first few episodes. Yeah. But, uh, season two was, I remember it being pretty great. So I would recommend watching season one to get through to season two. Okay, great. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I, that's, it's one that's always been on my radar of, I want to watch this, but much like Bojack and now Big Mouth, like I've taken a long time to actually get to them. Right. And then once I finished Bojack, I dug, you know, I started watching Big Mouth around the same time I started watching Bojack, but I got much more into Bojack. So I finished that first and now I'm going back and continuing and finishing up nice. the third season of Big Mouth now. Nice. Both very good. I recommend <laughs> both of them. Uh, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll get to them. But Bojack is definitely on my list and, and Big Mouth has been on my list as well. Although I will say this, it sounds like uh, the discussion on uh, the movie is basically over. Yes, mm-hmm. I would say so. <laughs> uh, We've come to the recommendation portion of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, the recommendation of something I watched like two or three years ago and don't remember too much about other, other than <laughs> really liking it. I'm not sure I can fully recommend it. I will recommend I have been watching The Dragon Prince on Netflix. It's it's a it's a it, like a kids cartoon. It's about kids, but it's from it's created by the head writer of Avatar the Last Airbender, which I've also just started watching cuz that's on Netflix. But it's The Dragon Prince is just a really well done like it's a good adventure story with good characters, good writing. I really enjoy it. I'm almost to the end. I don't I don't want it to be over, but I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure it just has the three seasons. It seems like it's getting to an ending. I have two episodes left. I'm not ready, but uh, I look forward to rewatching it. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Right. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if it's your bag, Don, but I'd, I I would I would venture to guess it's probably not something that would draw <laughs> me in. Um, <laughs> but like I mean, just based on the name and the fact that it is just an adventure cartoon like it's not it, I, the cartoons that i have been watching you know are definitely adult cartoons which right. i enjoy <laughs> um but the name the name alone made me go well but that to, to be fair the same thing was the, was the case for mythic quest okay <laughs> and uh that's the rob McElhenney show on oh, apple tv sure and it's like and it's properly a very like a hilarious really well done show and the cast is awesome um I was uh, very surprised at how good it was. Um, Danny Pudi is in it, and uh, David Hornsby, if you know him. Um, it's just like it's just a really good cast, and uh, just a surprisingly funny show about the creators of a game called Mythic Quests. So it, the the, <clears throat> the the poster made it look like it was going to be this like mythical 
quest and like gnomes and right. names and yeah mythical quests and dragons and and gnomes and knights and things but it's you know about these like dorky nerdy kind of creators and this like uh uh narcissistic ceo who is played by rob McElhenney, of course nice. <laughs> all right well dra- so. dragon prince and uh mythic quests check them yeah. out many request many things for everyone to watch now many requests yeah. or many recommendations yeah all right. Well, uh, if you think we got Parasite completely wrong or you have questions, comments, just want to say hi, you can always email us at uh, imitatingart1 at gmail.com. And you can find us on Instagram or Twitter uh, at imitatingartpod. And you can find the two of us individually. Oh, yeah. You, 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 can, you can find us individually, but why would you want to do that? But if you do, you can find me on Instagram and uh, Twitter at Big F and Moose. And I'm uh, on Instagram uh, at Don't Worry, I'm Finite. And the, the fun news right now is that even though this is the third episode and you've heard the, the theme music, hopefully for the first two episodes, <laughs> hopefully you've listened to all three. Uh, we just finally got that theme music in. We just finally got episode one all set up and scheduled. So hopefully it gets push through to all of the places it's supposed to by the time we hope to to release and you know i'm excited about that yeah me too and i'm i'm excited about the the podcast itself i'm also i'm very excited for the music because uh our friend nathan created it and uh it is uh as we expected wonderful yep you can uh, and if you like the music you can hire him uh and terrymusic.com Yep, and I yeah, you won't be disappointed. If you like the music in uh, in this episode and the previous two, then uh, you will you will enjoy what he does. Yeah, the voice work as well. <laughs> True, well, not our voices, but <laughs> not our voices. The, no, the no. good don't don't judge him on us. Yeah, the good voice work. <laughs> the good voice. <laughs> All right. Well, it's been it's been uh, it's been actual. Yeah, it's been it's been real. Uh, right. Thanks for listening, and uh, see you next Tuesday. Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.